Hey, daters. Are you sick of small talk and no date being planned? Well, I'm excited to introduce you to First Rounds on Me, a revolutionary dating app designed for modern singles who are fed up with the frustrations of today's dating scene. The app is all about actually helping you plan dates and build genuine connections. How so? Well, the only way you match with someone is by planning a date. Send a date, a time, and a location, and then the rest is up to you. Ready to go on real dates? You can get one free month of their premium subscription with code DOCTOR, D-O-C-T-O-R. Download First Rounds on Me using the link in the show notes and start building meaningful connections offline. Hello and welcome to Reimagining Love. I'm Dr. Alexandra Solomon. Relationships have the power to wound us and the power to heal us. As a clinical psychologist, author, and professor at Northwestern University, I've devoted my life to studying intimate partnerships and family dynamics. On Reimagining Love, I'm here to translate complex clinical topics into tools and takeaways that you can use in your relationships today. If you're ready to develop relational self-awareness and create vibrant and loving relationships with the people who matter most to you, you've come to the right place. I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome. This is the first episode of the new month, so it means it's time for another deep dive where I get to speak to you directly about an important relationship topic. And today's topic is a big one. We're going to talk about jealousy. If you are dealing with jealousy in your intimate partnership, I'm so glad you're here. I'm sure that you're going to come away from this episode with a deeper understanding of yourself, of your partner, along with some new tools for how to address jealousy as a team. So our roadmap for this episode, I'm going to define jealousy and talk about it in terms of relational self-awareness. I'm going to discuss the internal dynamics of the person who's experiencing jealousy. I'm going to discuss the internal dynamics of the person whose partner is experiencing jealousy. And I'm going to give you tools and strategies all along the way. My intention for this episode is to move us away from relating to jealousy with judgment or fear and to move us towards relating to jealousy with curiosity and skills. Because guess what? Jealousy is one of those experiences we have. It's a human experience that requires skill, savvy, and strategy, but it's not a quote unquote bad thing unto itself. As always, I want you to pay attention to the thoughts, the feelings, the sensations in your body that rise and fall as you're listening, because these point you towards what might need your additional attention and care. Let's get started. Psychologists are a little bit split over whether jealousy is an emotion or if it's a cognition. Certainly there are emotions that are attached to jealousy, fear, anger, shame, There's also thoughts that are attached to the experience of jealousy. Thoughts like, I think my partner might have a crush on their coworker. I think my partner finds somebody else more attractive than they find me. And these thoughts and feelings interact with each other. Each can amplify the other, creating, fueling an urge inside of us. 
an urge to engage a behavior, right? An urge to do something. And that something might be asking our partner a bunch of questions. That something might be checking our partner's phone. That something might be withdrawing, shutting down, disengaging. The working definition that we're going to bring to the conversation today is one created by the psychologist, Dr. Robert Leahy, who defines jealousy as angry, agitated worry. It's not envy. So Merriam-Webster Dictionary makes a distinction between envy and jealousy in this way. Envy is a discontented longing for someone else's advantages. Envy most often is used to refer to a covetous feeling that we may have towards another person's attributes, possessions, or stature in life, where jealousy is more like an unpleasant suspicion, an apprehension of rivalship. Jealousy basically is a threat. It's a threat of loss, a threat of losing someone who matters to us. I want to invite you to imagine jealousy as happening on sort of a bell-shaped curve. So imagine in your mind a bell-shaped curve. On one end of that bell-shaped curve is the complete and total absence of jealousy, a kind of like flatness, disengagement, lack of investment, sort of like nothingness. Then the other end of the spectrum would be really dangerous jealousy, right? The kind of profound threat that creates the risk of acting out via control and or violence. And I want to say right here at the top of the episode that someone's jealous feelings or jealous thoughts never, ever, ever, one million never, evers, never justifies abuse, controlling behavior, stalking, violence, etc. We are responsible for regulating our emotions rather than acting out on them, period, end of sentence. In this episode, I'm going to be focusing exclusively on the middle of the bell-shaped curve, the shades of gray between those extreme ends. But in the show notes, you will find some links to resources if you are in a relationship with somebody whose jealousy fuels abusive behavior because it is not okay. Let's focus for a moment on those shades of gray that are in between, which is the focus of our episode. If you have watched my TED Talk, you know that one of the points that I make is that all of our choices are fueled by one of two energies, either the energy of love or the energy of fear. This is also, I would say, the experience of jealousy is fueled by the energy of love or the energy of fear. The energy of love is investment, attachment, care, trust, faith grace, right? Sort of like moving towards. The energy of fear is like tightness, scarcity, a need for control. So that feeling of jealousy is very likely fueled inside of us by some kind of blend of love and fear. So the way in which love might fuel the experience of jealousy would be, I cherish you. I so want to be special to you. I really want to keep building this relationship with you. I don't want this relationship to end. The energy of fear, when that energy fuels jealousy, it sounds more like this. I'm scared to lose you. I'm scared of being made a fool. I don't want you to have other important connections. I would argue 
that our experience of jealousy, we deserve to sort of turn towards that feeling of jealousy and tease apart sort of the texture and tone and understand what is it that our jealousy exactly is saying and what is it signaling. Let's move now into the interior of the person who's struggling with jealousy. So let's look at the dynamics, the internal dynamics of what happens inside of us when we are the one who's struggling with jealousy. So jealousy reflects insecurity. Jealousy says, I don't feel safe. I don't feel at ease. There's some measure of relational threat that I'm experiencing. I don't think that we are entitled to 100% safety or ease at all times in our relationship, even though we may wish that we could wave a magic wand and never feel threatened or insecure or uneasy ever again, which is why our work is to continue to develop relational self-awareness, to be able to develop that capacity inside of ourselves, to hold on to paradox, mystery, complexity, and discomfort so that we can learn from it and grow from it. And again, when we love somebody, to figure out how to tolerate the very fact that loving someone requires investment and that the more we invest, the more we're afraid of losing them, the more skin we have in the game. That's the paradox, right? We're confronted with this paradox of love and loss, like these next door neighbors of because I love you, I'm afraid of losing you. And that tension, those next door neighbors of love and loss just make us feel so darn vulnerable. That's the context in which jealousy arises. Is it our partner's job to offer reassurance to us through affirmation? I'm here. You're special. I have your back? Yes, I would say. Is it our job to soothe ourselves, to work on tolerating that deep truth that our primary trusting relationship is with ourselves and to make again and again that promise to ourselves that we will not abandon ourselves if in fact our worst fear of losing the person we love does come true? Yes, I do think that's our job. I think both those things. I do think it is a partner's job to offer reassurance, and I do think it is our job to soothe ourselves. Both things are true. So jealousy in an intimate relationship arises in response to a real or perceived threat of losing someone who matters tremendously to us. It's a flashing warning sign. It's a piece of data. The experience of jealousy might tell you to leap into action and do something. But when you feel jealousy rising inside of you, I want to just invite you to pause. Pause. Being able to pause with your jealousy, contain it, explore it, learn from it. That's the work. It's hard. We are at risk of having the urge to do one of three things with a jealous feeling. One thing that we may have the urge to do when we feel jealous is push it away because some of us equate jealousy with weakness. We want to push it away. We want to suppress it. But any cognitive behavioral therapist will tell you suppression doesn't work. Therapists like to use this image of like pushing a beach ball down, down, down underwater. The more you push, the more that it wants to pop back up. So suppression doesn't work. And by the way, whenever we suppress a feeling, we lose out on the 
chance to learn from the feeling, right? Our emotions are teachers. They hold lots of wisdom and information for us about understanding our past, understanding our boundaries, understanding how we might ask for what we need and want and yearn for in our relationships. So suppressing feelings means we lose out on the lessons and the possibilities for healing. The second thing some of us have the urge to do when we feel jealous is withdraw, shut down, numb out, disengage. And here I would say numbing out doesn't serve us, right? Doesn't serve you and doesn't serve your relationship. Plus anyways, as Brene Brown taught us, there's no such thing as selectively numbing out only particular feelings, right? Like some of us make a catalog in our minds of like, these are the good feelings. These are the bad feelings. Or like, these are the acceptable feelings. These are the unacceptable feelings. And if we want to like sort of numb out or shut down the unacceptable feelings, the problem is we we can't do it selectively. So we end up kind of creating like a gray landscape inside of ourselves. We lose out on all of the richness that our emotions offer us. So first thing we may want to do is suppress. Second thing we want to do is numb out. The third thing we might want to do when we experience jealousy is turn the feeling into an action. Just do something. We sometimes run right over the space in between the emotion and the action. There's such a strong urge, such a strong trigger to do something because the emotion can feel intolerable, because the emotion can feel shameful. We just want to do something. And around jealousy, the things we might want to do are become critical of our partner, become controlling, become accusatory, right? Those kinds of things. We might blame our partner for doing things that, quote, make us jealous, right? Why would you do that? That makes me jealous. And here again, when we move into action mode, when we try to just change the other person, we're losing out on the opportunity to talk with our partner in a way that invites them towards us and in a way that turns jealousy into an opportunity for deeper connection and intimacy. The PS here about acting on our feelings is that when we move into trying to be controlling or accusatory towards our partner, we create the conditions for our partner to become resentful towards us. And we'll talk more about that in a bit when we talk about the relational dynamics. Instead of suppressing, instead of numbing out, instead of acting out, what do I want you to do instead? Just pause. Turn your attention inward. Listen to the jealousy feel it, imagine jealousy as an upset kid who just needs some tender, loving care. Because housed in your jealousy are important messages. And we don't know quite yet whether it says something about your past and the dynamics you bring into the relationship, whether it might say something about your partner's behavior, whether it might say something about the boundaries the two of you have around your relationship, but we're not going to get to any of that until and unless you pause and just turn towards it. I will say that not all of us are quite at risk of experiencing jealousy in quite the same way or quite to the same extent. So let's talk for a moment about attachment styles. As somebody who's been doing this work for over two decades, I got to say it's wild and wonderful to see attachment science move from the ivory towers and move from behind therapist doors into all of our hands. So attachment styles are such a popular kind of public facing topic of conversation right now. And I think there's so much good in that. 
Attachment styles are one of the most powerful ways we can understand the impact of our early experiences on how we do relationships today. I do want to remind you that your attachment style is one piece of the puzzle. It's one piece of who you are. You are more than just an attachment style. And I want to remind you that everything we know about adult attachment styles tells us that our attachment styles are quite malleable, especially in the context of something as powerful as an intimate relationship. So if you come into an intimate relationship with an insecure attachment style, through the process of creating a robust, healthy, trusting, intimate partnership, you can earn security. You can earn a secure attachment style. The converse is true as well. A relationship in which boundaries are poorly defined, in which trust is not robustly established and maintained, insecure attachment makes a ton of sense. It's the understandable byproduct of trying to persist in a context where there is not trust that is created and nurtured in an ongoing way. Do you feel like you're at a crossroads in your love life? Maybe you are sick of modern dating or wondering if the person that you're with is your person. Whatever your situation, I have the perfect podcast for you, Dateable. Dateable is your insider's look into modern dating, hosted by Julie Kraftchik and Yue Shu. Julie and Yue bring a sense of humor to their insightful explorations of all things dating, turning matches into actual dates, the psychology of relationships, red flags, attachment styles, and so much more. I am proud to have been a guest on their podcast three times. So if you're looking for a great starting point, check out my latest episode with them when you're ready and they're not. I'll put a link at the bottom of the show notes. Wherever you start, this podcast is going to help you feel inspired to date differently and create a love life that works for you. Subscribe to Dateable wherever you get your podcasts. So a lot of relationship science, there's like a whole branch of relationship science that studies the intersection of jealousy and attachment styles. And we're not going to dive too deeply into this because like I said, it's an entire branch, but I do want to tell you about a study done by Lindsay Rodriguez and colleagues that found that individuals who have an anxious attachment style, quote, experienced much higher levels of cognitive and behavioral jealousy when reporting lower levels of trust. Okay, that makes sense, right? And an anxious attachment style oftentimes means there's quite a bit of hypervigilance, fear of loss, urgency around maintaining connection. So that makes sense that people with an anxious attachment style will experience higher levels of cognitive and behavioral jealousy. But let's go to the end of that phrase, right? Because the rest of the sentence says, when reporting lower levels of trust. So a reminder here to those of you who have an anxious attachment style, it's more than just, I'm anxiously attached. That's why I get jealous, period, end of story. It's more than that. That may be a beginning of a conversation. I'm anxiously attached. Therefore, I am prone to experiencing jealousy when I am in a context with low levels of trust. It is incumbent on those who struggle with an insecure attachment style and those who love someone who struggles with an insecure attachment style to take very seriously the building and maintaining of trust, right? The central question here is, How might our relationship become a crucible for healing an insecure attachment style rather than a context in which 
we are wounded again and again. Okay, let's look now at the internal dynamics that somebody may experience when they are partnered with somebody who battles jealousy. Said another way, I'm now talking to you if you are the person who has a partner who struggles with jealousy. Okay, I'm talking directly to you. And I'm going to tell you my first point I want to make here is the most confronting point I'm going to make in this whole episode. So just like (laughs) deep breath, roll your shoulders back. If you identify as somebody who has a jealous partner, I would like you to be brave enough and humble enough to check in with yourself for your partner's struggle with jealousy in order for you to feel safe. Okay, let me say it again because it's a big one. And listen, it may not land for you at all. But if it lands for you, I want it to land real gently. So let me say it again. If your partner reports that they are experiencing jealousy, can you be brave enough and humble enough to check in with yourself and see if perhaps there is a part of you that is seeking to create the conditions for them to feel jealous in order for you to feel safe? I will put it out there that creating the conditions for a partner to feel jealous can be a way for us to manage our own insecurity, i.e., if you're jealous, I'm safe. So one way to deal with insecurity is to project it onto somebody else. This, my friends, is not an excuse. It is an invitation into awareness and exploration in the service of shifting into something healthier. Why would I put something (laughs) so charged into the space? Why? Well, here's what I know to be true. We are all swimming in a culture of dominance. We're all swimming in it. It's how we've been raised since our first breath is this culture of dominance. What does a culture of dominance say? Listen, you're either one up or one down. You either have the power or you don't have the power. We, were, we are all, every single one of us, at risk of playing into the idea that relationships are one up, one down arrangements. We all have a process of reclaiming and reimagining relationships in a different way. Because our first experience is that relationships are about power power over, one up, one down. To move into a space of relationality is subversive. It's revolutionary. It's pushing back against the dominant cultural narrative. Through this dominance lens, the framework is, I mean, one of us has to be insecure. One of us has to be jealous. One of us has to be kind of on their toes at all times. And it's not going to be me, so I guess it's got to be my partner. And they might be really subtle micro behaviors that you may be doing that are unconsciously, inadvertently, unintentionally fueling the experience of jealousy inside of your partner. And so I just invite you to sit with that. I already named that the sort of like collective dominance culture might be why you'd be prone or at risk of doing that. 
But there's another thing that might be happening. If you grew up in a family system where that's also what you saw, if you saw dominance and subjugation, if you saw one parent wielding power over another parent, you have a double whammy, right? You are at risk of recreating that in your intimate relationship, not because you suck, but because you were a good observer. You learned that that was love, dominance or subjugation. And again, who the heck wants to be subjugated? So you may be at risk of kind of fueling and fostering those dynamics. If this lands for you, your work, your compassionate, love-guided work is to again and again find deeper, more robust, more anchored pathways towards feeling safe, valued, seen, and worthy. And that's, my friends, a lifelong practice, right? We can't be loved into worthiness. We can't love a partner into worthiness much as we would want. This is a, an internal job. If that part lands, um, just sit with it with compassion, please. It may be the case that you have a partner who struggles with jealousy because you have a partner who brings an old wound into your relationship, right? Perhaps your partner was cheated on in a prior relationship. Perhaps your partner was abandoned in a prior relationship. So they may come in. We all come into our relationships with baggage. Your partner may come in with that kind of baggage of abandonment or infidelity that creates the conditions where they struggle with feeling suspicious of you, feeling jealousy in relation to you. Now, it's not yours to pay for a crime you didn't commit, right? You aren't the one who did harm to them. But I would invite you to sit with the idea that it is on you to be an ally in their healing, right? So you didn't create this pain in your, in your partner, but you have the privilege and the responsibility to be an ally to them in their healing, very different, right? To be responsible to somebody and to be responsible for somebody. I'm not saying that you're responsible for fixing them or making the wound go away. I'm just saying you have an opportunity to be responsible to them. What does that look like? It might mean that you are a bit more forthright than you otherwise would be in terms of offering reassurance, in terms of offering reality testing, in terms of offering clarity, in terms maybe of even offering accessibility, right? Access to where you are, maybe more than you have done in a prior relationship. And that if and when you do that, if and when you offer your partner a bit more access than you're accustomed to doing, I really, really want you to feel proud of yourself rather than diminished for doing so. And I really want you to know those experiences when your partner feels your trustworthiness those experiences hold the potential to offer healing. It's the coolest part about relationships, right? Is that relationships hold the power to heal us. So when you extend yourself to be a bit more open than you otherwise would be, and your partner, you see the smile on your partner's face, you see them exhale because their jealousy is quieted, their sense of threat is quieted. I really want you to feel proud and to trust that you are offering your partner a different kind of experience and a healing experience. And I want you just look to look for progress, right? Perhaps six months into your relationship, they are a bit more at ease and less jealous than they were when you first started working on this, right? So we're looking for progress, not perfection. And we're looking for steps, right? Steps in a direction towards more ease, less conflict, less disruption. Another possibility is perhaps your partner 
struggles a bit with jealousy because you have a history of boundary violations or sort of questionable behavior, either in this relationship or with your prior partner. So if you are very clearly committed to staying in your integrity, which I hope you are, then I would just invite you to talk with your partner about what you've learned about yourself from your past and the kinds of commitments that you make that help you stay in your integrity. Your partner's jealousy makes sense, given this is something that you have struggled with in the past. It makes sense. It's understandable. And here are the things that you do to be of service to your partner's jealousy, right? To sort of help quiet your partner's jealousy. And P.S., it very likely is because, or I want it to be, because you living in your own integrity feels really good to you. It's how you get the chance again and again to experience yourself being proud of yourself, yourself witnessing yourself as honest, aligned. So that's your practices, practices that you do in order to feel good in your own skin, pay dividends for your partner and offer soothing and quieting to your partner's feelings of jealousy. The last thing I want to say to you person who's partnered with somebody who's struggling with jealousy, is this is a great place for some boundary work. I can imagine a world in which you say to your partner, listen, my dear, I am going to continue to carve out autonomy. And I do want to be responsible to you, right? So I am going to go have lunch with this friend. I am going to travel with my group of friends without you. And I understand that that triggers or activates feelings of jealousy. And so if and when that happens, come to me. We'll talk about it. That's the heart of a healthy romantic relationship is like, if you're struggling, come to me. We'll work on it together. So that's a very healthy boundary right there, right? I will continue to make choices and I want you to come to me. A healthy boundary also sounds like this. Listen, my dear. I commit to not taking things off the table in order to bypass your jealousy because I risk feeling resentful and that will do a different kind of harm to our relationship. Me taking things off the table, me shrinking down my life in order to bypass your risk of feeling jealous also deprives us of the chance to have a synapse to cross. It deprives you of the opportunity to feel my trustworthiness, right? If I make my life so small that I don't ever do anything that you might perhaps potentially possibly experience as threatening, you won't have the chance to experience my trustworthiness. So risk and trust live in tension with each other. So I will make some choices where there's a little bit of manageable risk for you. And in doing so, I will give you the chance to feel my trustworthiness, for you to feel where my choices are at, where my heart is at, where my boundaries are at, where my values are at. The last sort of healthy boundary thing that I could imagine you saying to your partner is, listen, my dear, (laughs) I am committed to not hiding or sneaking in order to avoid a fight. I don't want to do that. 
because if I make the choice to hide or sneak, all I'm doing is creating the conditions where your jealousy feels warranted, where it feels justified. So I am going to choose truth, which may rock the boat, rather than hiding or sneaking because it's better for both of us. Okay, so bottom line, offering reassurance and accountability to your partner matters because trust in an intimate partnership is bedrock, right? I want you to want your partner to feel safe with you. Let's talk now about working on jealousy as a couple. Jealousy is an opportunity to practice relational self-awareness, to reflect on what's going on inside of you, and to approach your partner to have a conversation together. So in this episode, we're framing jealousy according to what I call the golden equation of love. The golden equation of love is my stuff plus your stuff equals our stuff. This is a basic framework of relational self-awareness. And we run all kinds of relational dynamics through that equation. My stuff plus your stuff equals our stuff. We already in this episode, right, have talked about the different kinds of individual vulnerabilities, individual tendencies, individual patterns that we might bring into a relational dance around jealousy. And our work here is not to solve jealousy or make it go away entirely. Our work here is to figure out how to hold the tension between autonomy and responsibility how to hold the tension between self-soothing and seeking reassurance. Because all those are necessary, right? All those are ingredients in a robust, intimate relationship. We want to feel autonomous. We want to feel responsible to each other. We want to be able to soothe ourselves. We want to be able to seek reassurance. Jealousy isn't necessarily to be fixed. It's to be navigated. I want us to talk about this in terms of an example. And listen, examples are tricky because they're stripped of context, they're stripped of nuance, but this example that I have here for us is going to help us highlight the sort of my stuff, your stuff, our stuff. So our example is this. Partner A is friends with their ex. When they go out for a beer with their ex, partner B feels jealous. So what do we want this couple to do? What are A and B supposed to do about this problem? Well, option one is for partner B to stuff their feelings, put a smile on their face and say, it's fine. Do what you want. Option two would be for partner A to just stop meeting with their ex, right? Take it off the table. Option three is for partner A and partner B to use partner B's jealousy as an opportunity to do some work together as a couple. The image I want you to have here as we explore option number three is I want you to imagine partner A and partner B, shoulder to shoulder, looking together at partner B's jealousy. So they're looking at it together. It's not partner A saying, you're jealous and insecure, get over it. It's not partner B saying, why would you do this thing that makes me feel jealous? It's partner A and partner B shoulder to shoulder looking together at this challenge. Oh, how do we navigate your need for autonomy and my need for reassurance? Huh, 
This is going to be interesting. <laughs> I understand the temptation to choose option one or option two, right? Option one and option two solve the moment. Put a smile on your face and stuff your feelings solves the moment. Taking a tender idea like having lunch with your ex or having a beer with your ex off the table solves the moment, right? The quote unquote problem is off the table. But option one and option two trade an opportunity for growth as a couple for a short-term fix, right? They sort of solve the moment without giving us a chance to go deeper in the relationship, expand trust in the relationship, learn something about each of us and the challenges that we bring in. If they decide to choose option three of working together to look at this challenge, what do we want them to do? I've got some questions here that I would want this couple to be talking about. The first question is, what is so important to partner A about their friendship with their ex? Right? That's an important point of inquiry. Why does it matter? What is it that's in this friendship that matters? And in fact, matters so much that it's going to ruffle some feathers. Partner A is saying, I do want to meet with my ex for beer, even though it creates inside of you some jealousy. I do want to do it. Okay, so why? That's a worthy question for exploration. What's so important about it? Another worthy question for exploration is, what feels scary and upsetting for partner B about this friendship? What is it in particular for partner B about this friendship that feels so scary and so upsetting? I like this question also. Who is partner A afraid of becoming if they move away from the friendship for the sake of the relationship? Right. So if partner A imagines moving away from the friendship deprioritizing it, who are they afraid that they become? This is one of these ghost-busting questions that I like to ask, where we're asking partner A to kind of look to their own past, look to their own family of origin. Did they see somebody in their family of origin who gave things up, who shrunk their life in order to accommodate somebody else? If so, it's understandable then that they have a sensitivity. And they may, in part, want to keep this friendship on the table simply because letting go of the friendship feels tantamount to what they saw their parent do when they were little, right? If they watch their parent lose their voice, then they might be really, really, really sensitive about any degree or measure of accommodation or letting go um, or shifting away from something for the sake of a relationship. Another question that's worthy of exploration is, who is partner B afraid of becoming if they, quote unquote, allow the friendship to persist, right? So I want partner B to be looking at that. Did partner B and their family of origin see somebody who kind of like hid their head in the sand, got blindsided, was, quote, made a fool of? So maybe for partner B, there's some vigilance there that comes from an early experience of watching somebody they love get blindsided. And if so, that is worthy of conversation and worthy of honoring. It's also worth looking at what are the larger cultural narratives that create the context of this particular relationship problem? How do gender role socialization, race and ethnicity, religious beliefs, etc., how do these larger contexts shape both partner A and partner B's 
experiences of this relationship challenge. Spoiler alert, like one thing we can say is that jealousy is the understandable side effect of a highly romanticized culture that says, if your partner loves you, they don't need anything else from anybody else. If your partner loves you, you should be their sun and their moon. You should be the sum total of what they need. Sort of like highly romanticized narrative can create the conditions where jealousy is the understandable side effect. A conversation that is rich enough and thick enough and detailed enough to ask the kinds of questions I've just posed, when we have that kind of conversation, the next step may emerge, right? We were saying option one, option two, taking it off the table or putting a smile on our face. Those kinds of solutions keep us from digging in and looking at all the different facets that are fueling the feeling of jealousy. I'm pretty confident that with option three, a thoughtful, gentle, curious conversation that shines a light in a few different places will hold the power to loosen up this knot and this couple will see things that they can't see when the story is either I win or you win. Either I get what I want or you get what you want, right? Those are sort of quick and dirty answers. With this more thoughtful route, I think that there's going to be some natural, organic next steps that emerge. The last question that I would want this couple to be looking at is why now? Like, why are we struggling with jealousy now? And there's some interesting answers that are possible here. One might simply be that the person who's feeling jealous is just under stress. They're having a uniquely stressful chapter in their journey. Why? Because when any of us are under stress, we regress. We fall back on less, quote unquote, evolved ways of coping. When we're not feeling particularly comfortable in our own skin, we're more likely to want to control the world around us. So it's another possibility here is that partner B is feeling jealous and insecure and threatened, not necessarily because of anything happening between the two of them, but because, you know, they've started a new job. They are dealing with a health crisis in their family of origin. Something is off creating insecurity in another domain of life. And so partner B is turning towards their intimate partnership with a desire to just have control somewhere, just have something feel simple and easy and manageable. The other interesting thing that may be happening is around developmental context. So when you look at a couple's relationship story, there may be particular chapters in which jealousy is more likely to rear its head or more at risk of rearing its head. There's been research that has indicated that jealousy seems to be somewhat less common early in a romantic relationship because there's less investment and that jealousy is increasingly likely over time. What we also know to be true is that transitions in and of themselves spike insecurity. Think about the transition to a new job. On day one of your new job, you feel quite a bit more insecure than you feel on day 300. So around relationship transitions, we may be more prone to feeling jealousy, especially if in that relationship transition, you are encountering the outer edge of prior experience. If you are deepening into more commitment with this partner, 
it makes sense that some insecurity is activated, some jealousy is activated. There was a research study that is linked in the show notes. The research subjects were straight people whose partners had opposite sex best friends. And the research subjects were either in the dating stage or the research subjects were in the engagement stage or the research subjects were married. And guess what they found? The group that was most likely to feel threatened and jealous were the engaged couples. The engaged couples experienced more jealousy about their partner's best friend than the dating people and more jealousy than the married people. So again, the idea here is that transitions spike insecurity and the transition from dating to married is one of the most seismic transitions we ever make. So I'm saying this also to normalize that there are particular times when we might be vulnerable to jealousy, not because we're weak, not because we're silly, but because this is what happens around transition. The last little nerdy piece of science to throw your way is that John Gottman and his research team has looked quite a bit at the science of trust. And he found something which is interesting and makes this point, which is that newlyweds, so again, transitioning into marriage, newlyweds are high in both trustworthiness and untrustworthiness, which he takes to mean that early in marriage, around the transition to marriage, there's just lots of testing. I trust you. Do I trust you? I think that you have my back, but do you really have my back? So again, around these like nodules, these times of we've left one shore, but we haven't arrived in the next shore, that those are times of increasing uncertainty and uncertainty that spikes jealousy. And then it becomes something, again, to manage rather than avoid or act out. All right. I have given you a lot to think about. So let's just kind of bring all this together. Reminders for if you are the person who struggles with jealousy, a reminder to pause, to know that feeling jealous and acting jealous are very different things. You are responsible for your feeling, but that's not the same thing of blame. It's not your fault that you feel jealous, but it is your responsibility to manage your jealousy. It's not the same thing as shame. It's not shameful to feel jealous, but again, you are responsible to tend to your jealousy. It's unhelpful to say to your partner, you make me jealous. It's more helpful to say to your partner, I'm feeling jealous. Can we work on this together? In a healthy, intimate relationship, we turn towards each other when we are hurting or struggling or suffering. And I want your partner to be an ally to you in understanding and addressing your insecurity. If you're the one feeling jealous, it's okay to ask for reassurance, but I also want to make sure that you really pay attention to what happens when you receive reassurance. So asking for reassurance is only one part of the equation. The other part of the equation is being mindful, intentional, and present in terms of letting your partner's reassurance land. So when your partner looks in your eyes and reminds you that you are their person, when your partner looks in your eyes and says, I have your back, and you feel yourself exhale, you feel that wave of relief, you feel the smile creeping across your face, it is your job to note it. 
I want you to land it inside of you. I want you to notice the feeling of relief and almost like take a mental picture of it. Like let it land, let it sit for you. Because that's how we make progress, by taking those moments where we get the thing that we need and we let it sink inside of us and we let it count. It is not fun to feel jealous, but you are much more likely to enlist your partner's support and empathy when you let them know that you're struggling and you ask for their support and their partnership. Final reminders, if your partner is the one who's bringing jealous feelings to you, It's really important to reflect on whether you may be engaging in behaviors intentionally or unintentionally, consciously or unconsciously, that reflect some fuzziness in boundaries. And it's really important for you to resist the urge to become defensive because jealousy must be faced as a team. Jealousy gives us an opportunity to clarify the boundaries around our relationship Jealousy gives us a chance to explore our values as a couple, and jealousy gives us an opportunity to develop practices that allow us to embrace both self-soothing and reassurance. Thank you so much for joining me today. Do you have a relationship question that you want answered on the show? Visit reimagininglove.com to send in a written or audio question. Questions can be about intimate partnerships, family relationships, friendships, you name it. If you're looking for more love and relationship content, you can find me on Instagram at dr.alexandra.solomon or visit my website, dralexandrasolomon.com, where you'll find my blog as well as the Intimate Relationships 101 e-course based off of the popular class I teach at Northwestern University. Thank you for listening and see you next week here on Reimagining Love.